Hi, everyone, and welcome to Empowering the Opposition. My name is Lexi Wilson. I'm a licensed master social worker. And my name is Dr. Nafis Alam, and our topic today will be division versus unity. Lexi, you and I have been talking a lot about how we are in a position right now where everything is so polarizing, Mm -hmm. everything is either left or right, no one's in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a great deal of, as you've mentioned, I'm mm-hmm. going to steal your words from you, mm-hmm. tribalism in, you know, aligning with a particular group, let's say, even if you don't fully know what that group mm-hmm. stands for, just for the sake of having mm-hmm. essentially a team to root for. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think what's so interesting about this topic is that it's so relatable for our present. And we can see glimpses of this, you know, from the past when we think about um, different times in history where, um, you know, groups have been, you know, pressed against each other, ideologies, religion, um, different ethnic groups. Um, we see this happening throughout history and it tends to be this kind of pattern, right? Of, of when groups are pinned against each other, people are kind of forced into these two different groups. Um, you know, where, where does the power go, right? Who, who has the power? And I don't know, it's just been something I've been thinking about a lot lately and thinking about, you know, I think a lot of us um, are can can be very centered in in what they think, and and we feel this pull, especially right now. I have to be here, or I have to be on this side. Um, I can't I can't be on a little bit of both. I have to choose. You know, um, so that's what I think is really interesting. So I wonder if if it has a lot to do with wanting to feel like you belong somewhere and socialization. Um, I liken it to sort of like, well, I was never in a fraternity, but you were in a sorority. Yes. You just feel like you're a part of something, even though I'm sure that your sorority did things that you didn't fully agree with. Let's not get into all that, right? (laughs) Um, But you felt like you were a part of a group. Same thing when like people are rooting for certain teams. Mm -hmm. I, you know, having played semi-pro ball, I still don't have a team that I root for. Mm -hmm. I just love the game of football which returns, uh, you know, uh, very soon. And like, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where you feel like you're a part of a group that's rooting for a particular team. Mm-hmm. And then you can associate and identify mm-hmm. with other people who are in that same group versus being a team agnostic or a Greek life agnostic, mm-hmm. where you really don't have a belonging and you're more of a moderate in, in that mm-hmm. sense, where you fall somewhere in the middle and, um, it's, it, it, it feels good to be a part of something, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, you also talked about how it's, you know, from a religion standpoint mm-hmm. too, where there are many people who don't particularly believe in all of the teachings of the religion with which they, they, you know, uh, agree with mm-hmm. or, uh, or follow practice, mm-hmm. right. Or follow, but they, they continue to go through the motions just because of the social elements of that affiliation mm-hmm. and knowing that the people that they're surrounding themselves with, they can count on as mm-hmm. friends or people to talk to or, you mm-hmm. know, just interact with, which I think is, has a great deal of value. And maybe people mm-hmm. are just smart enough to figure out that, you know, I just have to be a part of a team to get the team yeah. experience. Yeah, I think the 
the really great word here is tribalism. And I think it's such a fascinating word because we all at the end of the day want to be a part of a tribe, right? You know, some people are ride or die for their sports teams, right? Like you do not talk trash on their sports teams. Like that is a part of their identity. That's a part of who they are. That's a part of their tribe. Um, a part of your tribe could also be your country, your political, your political party. It could be your religion. It could be your community. We have so many tribes that we are a part of and it really kind of um, creates who we are as humans and we identify so deeply with these tribes i think it's a very innate and human thing to be wanting to be a part of something bigger than yourself and it can be a very good thing and positive thing however it can also um, become a very dangerous thing a very divisive thing Mm. um you know, depending on the circumstances in which you identify with your tribe, what your tribe's intentions are, what your tribe's goals are. Um, And so I I think it's just such an interesting topic. I mean, yeah, yeah, we can see kind of both sides of that coin. Ever since you sent me this idea, and this was your your podcast Mm -hmm. idea, um, I've been thinking about who profits most from division Mm. and who profits most from unity. Yeah. And immediately I was taken back to my Wall Street days where we talk about competition, 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 mm-hmm. right? And competition is all about division. Mm-hmm. My product versus your Yours. product. Which one are you going to buy? Mm-hmm. Versus cohesion. Competition versus cohesion. Mm-hmm. Cohesion doesn't really generate as much income as competition yeah. does. Mm-hmm. Because competition forces me to build a product that is better than yours. Then you mm-hmm. look at my product and you build a product that's better than mine. And we go back exactly. and forth. If you and I work together and we build products together and we don't have any competition for that particular product that mm-hmm. we're building, that's called a monopoly. Yeah. You know, in which case there is no competition and the the quality of the product or the service decreases simply because of the fact that there is no competition there. So this would be the idea of empowering the opposition. Why is division a good thing? Mm-hmm. Because division creates technology, mm-hmm. innovation, profits. If you're someone mm-hmm. who's a business major listening to this, mm-hmm. so it it. it there is a value for a division, mm-hmm. and that's where empowering the opposition comes into play. But then let's talk about who who struggles and who, who really has to pay the price for division. Mm-hmm. And generally speaking, from a social standpoint, it's the people that are in the society that have to pay that price for division. Um, you know, I'm not going to say this in public, but I will sort of cover this, uh, you know, uh, as an overview. You and I had a conversation prior to hitting record, Mm -hmm. talking about very, very sensitive topics that we are simply not going to talk about, Mm -hmm. you know, for this podcast, Um, just because we want it to be, you know, we don't want to go in any kind of like direction. We want people to be able to identify and think through everything. So it's going to be like a real, you know, just a real light coating in that sense. (laughs) But the fact that we even have to do that suggests that there are things that we can and cannot say Mm -hmm. depending on who our listeners are Mm -hmm. we might have a listener right now who is as far right as you can possibly get we might make a statement like what we're not listening to him or her anymore Mm -hmm. and same thing with the far left too and i'm not talking about just politically you know i'm just talking about two sides of a a particular spectrum Mm -hmm. so that division creates an environment 
where we cannot even communicate candidly. Yes, it and, distorts communication. Yeah, and mm-hmm. a perfect example of that is what is going on right now as you're listening to this podcast. There are certain things that I can say mm-hmm. that Lexi cannot say, yet obviously we're all thinking about. And the reason why we can't say these, these things is because division is going to create an environment where you know, we are separated to the point where we just can't get along with one another. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, and I think there's so much emotion behind that division, right? You disrespected my tribe. Therefore, you know, that division is, you know, massive now, right? Or um, it's it's very difficult once, you know, tribes have been so set in place and there has been more push towards division rather than unity it becomes very very difficult for people to come together and to be able to have these kind of discussions and so that's why i've been looking forward so much to this this conversation today yeah and division tends to be very profitable division tends to be very interesting for lack of a better word because think about it like this would you watch a news show with just good news with everybody just getting along probably would be a boring news day Mm -hmm. Instead, most people prefer to watch news where it's adversarial. That's these people against those people, you know, and so division puts butts in seats and, you know, news organizations, media organizations and just like organizations Mm -hmm. in general. It makes money at the end of the day and it it profits those most in power, not those who, you know, have the least. I always like to think anytime I think of problems or situations, I always, always like to think about who holds the power Mm -hmm. um, and who does a situation particularly profit. And, and yeah, if if you think about to, if, if we even go back like hundreds of thousands of years, right? It's in our DNA. We were like our ancestors were in tribes hundreds of thousands of years ago. It is in our DNA to form a cohesive group, a strong group, to protect our group, to fight to the end, to the death for our group, right? And and now as we you know go more into the future in modern times right now, yeah, we still have our tribes, but they're different, right? We're so interconnected through the internet, through planes, through just everything. And and we still hold that, you know, as a part of who we are. Like that, I think, genetic aspect of who we are, who likes tribes and likes to identify with something, is just a part of the human experience. Yeah, I mean, human beings, it seems, anthropologically, are obsessed not only with knowing who they are, but with who they're not. And we see this also in homogenous populations. Obviously, in the United States, it's not a homogenous population. We have a great diversity of races and, you know, ethnicities and genders and all that. But, you know, think about homogenous populations. They're still finding ways where I am different than you and you Mm -hmm. are different than me. And the differences appear to be that which define us, not the similarities. Yes. And and I and I venture to say that the reason for that is because ninety nine point nine 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 percent of everything that makes me me and everything that makes you you are similar. Yeah, there is just a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a percentage point of things that make you unique from me, mm-hmm. and that gives you identity in relation to me. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like an identity identity relativism. Yeah, in that I am only me because of the ways that I am different from you. 
and mm-hmm. I am not me because of the ways I'm similar to you. Yes, that just made me think of one of my favorite words. Um, and I think it is it is a empowering the opposition of that standpoint. Um, it's a word I learned in South Africa when I was studying abroad there, and it's called Ubuntu. And it is a word that essentially means a person is only a person through other people, that every single person has something to contribute to the whole, and that everyone is valuable and worthy. And there's not really a word that um, translates very well to English, but essentially that's what it means. And so I've always really kind of um, got enamored by this word because it's so anti-tribalism. It's everyone has a part. Everyone is a um, has something to contribute, something powerful and unique. And I've always really enjoyed that word. So. Yeah, it, it makes perfect sense. So the idea of division creates one's identity whether we like it or not absolutely yeah and the idea of unity only takes away from our ego in a sense yeah Yeah. and even like when you're talking about Mm -hmm. uh populations or or groups let's say that show unity is it possible that they only show unity for the purpose of opposing another group that is opposite to them Mm, as in let's say i mean this is uh we're going to be talking about aliens very soon we sort of talked about (laughs) this a little bit so one of my theories and i am full of theories and obviously theories don't pay bills so i'm you know clearly struggling right but uh, but uh so one of my theories is that you know, of all the political differences that we have, and even like the international conflicts, mm-hmm. you know, the the Jewish people and the Muslim people, like just mm-hmm. all of the international historical conflicts that, you know, span centuries, right? Oh, yeah. I personally think that all that would be out the door as soon as, well, if we're ever under attack by any sort of like, extraterrestrial force and i don't necessarily mean aliens like an asteroid coming your way like we all have to get together you know so Mm -hmm. so is it possible that the only way we come together is not through the natural wanting to come together Mm. but rather having a common enemy (laughs) yeah the common enemy element might be the deciding factor as to whether or not we can come together and unify. But when we're unifying, then we're doing so in order to be different, to have division between ourselves and that which we, that mm-hmm. with which we oppose. So can we have unity without division? I, I mm. personally don't think that we can. Mm, that's such a good way to think about it. And and that's true. If, if we had a giant asteroid hurtling towards earth right now you bet your ass every single country on this planet would be working together um to figure out how to blow that sucker up or get it out of our orbit you know it's see palestine and jerusalem yeah you'd be holding hands you know it just yeah it's it's so true um and and i just think it goes to show like how circumstances can change so quickly our groups can change so quickly. Yeah. Um, and what can unify us can as well. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's very possible that we're not going to see true unity, true world peace until all world peace is under attack, in which case we all have to work together, you know, to, to fight something mm-hmm. that is external to us. 
But here's the thing, you know, everything has a but. <laughs> um, it's that uh, as soon as we're, you know, let's say we were able to address the asteroid situation, mm-hmm. wherever it is, as soon as we're done with that, how long would that unity last before we go back to division? And I was I thinking the same thing. I don't think it would last very long no, at all. No, I don't think so either. No, because I don't even think it would last a generation because we're right back mm-hmm. to... I sort of liken it, like we're taking it so macro, right? Yeah. If we were to take it micro, think about like if, uh, you know, if I'm not in a relationship. You're not in a relationship mm-hmm. right now either. Thank but God. we can both... <laughs> we can both... <laughs> We can both sort of simulate what uh, what it would uh, uh, essentially feel like. So, like, think about you having a conflict with your spouse mm-hmm. over the course of a week or so, which I think is a long time, but what do I know about relationships? <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden, there's some kind of external factor where, like, you know, grandpa's sick, like, mm-hmm. right? And then, like, yep. the couple comes You're together. You're going to come says, together. Yeah, yeah, look, we're going to deal with this, right? We're, we're going to figure out what's wrong with grandpa. And then once grandpa's okay, you're back home. It's like, I still hate you, you know? So I'm happy you were there for me, but I still hate your guts. So it's, I I think, you know, it's all passing. Everything is just so Mm. temporary. I agree. And I think the temptation towards power um, in the human spirit is, is going to try to overtake unity every time. Yeah. And it's not for the benefit of the mass either. It's, I think it's a a benefit for those on top, those who hold those leadership positions. Mm. Like I think that benefits, um, the benefit of tribalism, like nine times out of 10 is, is for those who hold, hold the power and want more of it, not for the rest of us. And I think there's a time when we have to question why, why do we, allow ourselves to be so divided why can't we see the humanity in another person regardless of you know what they viewpoints are or their ideologies that's not who's who someone is Mm -hmm. that's one identity right and that's and but we can change we can change those we can keep them we can um there's so much more to a person and when we can look past those things and really um see the suffering in another person the trauma in another person, the love, the compassion, the empathy in another person. That's when we're able to be like, you know, who who cares that you're a part of this tribe or yeah. that, you know, like we're human. Well, let's empower the opposition mm-hmm. and talk about who does unity hurt? Who mm-hmm. does unity hurt? Yeah. And right away, as I was thinking about this, the first example that came to mind was an old example from uh, my business days. And the the question posed was, why don't managers want their employees talking to each other about their salaries? Mm. And the reason why is because if managers can create an environment of division, I'm not going to tell my coworker about my salary. Mm. I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to know. This is like, you're creating division and then the managers win, the mm. higher ups win. This they is save a, a lot of money that exactly. way. Exactly. But when unity happens and there's a transparency in salaries and the coworkers are, are speaking freely with one another, it's much more likely that they'll band together and mm-hmm. say, hey, I'm not getting paid fairly based on what, you know, yeah. Jim and Joe are making. And now you have to compensate all the entirety of the organization appropriately, which takes money away from the top and bring it, brings exactly. it closer to 
That's yeah. why people are so afraid of labor unions or unions yeah. in general is because it does, it takes that power away and tries to redistribute it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that absolutely does hurt those at the top. Understanding that there are, you know, most of the time there's fewer, there's much fewer people at the top, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we're not making an argument for or against the top, right? Because I think we we both have family members who are way at the top of that, you know, wealth food chain. And we have family members who are way at the bottom of that mm-hmm. wealth food chain. So, you know, this wasn't passing judgment on that per se. But it's just the understanding of like, mm-hmm. there there is a winner to the elimination of unity, you know, and Mm. I hope our listeners understand that, that, you know, in empowering the opposition and understanding that every point has a counterpoint, Mm -hmm. every, every position has a counter position. You might be saying to yourself, well, everybody wins through unity. False. Mm. The people who lose because of unity are people like, you know, your higher ups, your managers who Mm -hmm. they don't want the, the employees talking to each other and coming together Mm. and unifying because if they do, that means that the power is now redistributed mm-hmm. downward into exactly. the organization as opposed to staying at, at and, the higher up. And there would be no incentive for um, there would be no incentive for unity if there was not benefit for division. Like we want to think that yeah, unity does benefit every single person, right? But then we have to think, well, if it benefited everyone, we would be unified in absolutely everything but we're not. And we have to ask ourselves why, why, why aren't we unified? Why are we living in such a divisive um, time? And to understand divisiveness does benefit, absolutely benefits. Um, And so there is, there is incentive for division. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just important to be, to be aware of that and to think about that. Yeah, there's incentive for it, but it's also like a natural inclination Mm -hmm. to, get bored of all the similarities that we have between one another and things that bring us together and be more concerned about the things that make us different. And we see this again, as I've mentioned before, in homogenous populations where you might have people who, this is quite common actually now that I think Mm -hmm. about it, in third world countries like Bangladesh, you might have you know, two neighbors who, mm-hmm. you know, make the same amount of money, which can be nothing, have the same amount of resources, live in the same neighborhood, have the same aged children, mm-hmm. but one of them is a little bit taller than the, the neighbor's kid. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's the end of it. That is what makes, like, it's just every, yeah. like the tiniest little thing. thing. And in, in the United States, that really doesn't it, it's not an idea that holds because it's like it, it almost sounds unbelievable. But the reason why it sounds unbelievable for someone who li- who's lived in the United States is because we're such a diverse nation here. Mm-hmm. If you can truly simulate in your mind a, a nation where there is so much homogeneity that the slightest difference is the only difference that you might have, mm-hmm. that's the difference that you hold on to. Now, though that, you know, the, the neighbor with the taller kid <laughs> is going to have greater class just for that moment, just for the, mm-hmm. just because of that reason. Yeah. And then the other neighbor's kid always almost at, you know, sudden has a, has a growth spurt. Now her He's kid the is taller. taller. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then like, just like the classism. And then mm-hmm. what ends up happening is that the neighbors end up, you know, fake liking each other mm-hmm. or like, you know, yeah. caroning each other in some ways. Karen. and. <laughs> 
you know, and just because, you know, it's that fake smile. You know, fake, mm-hmm. Hey, how's it going? I miss you too. You should come over sometime, yeah. bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? so, Karen's. Yeah. So, like, you see that happening. And the thing is, like, as soon as the entire, that particular neighborhood is under attack by gangs or something mm-hmm. like that, the, the neighbors will come together and protect each other. Yeah. But as soon as the gangs are gone, then you're back to figuring out what makes us different and do our differences make me better than you mm-hmm. or make you better than me? Because mm-hmm. that is the focus. And I, 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 sadly enough, I do think that it's part of human nature to find and to rather seek out difference for the purpose of seeing who is better and who is mm-hmm. worse. Oh, I don't yeah. know. I don't know that this exists in this uh, level um, in the animal kingdom, which is one of the reasons why mm-hmm. I feel like animals might actually have deeper hearts, more oh, understanding. I than think so. Human beings, because they don't really care. No. The littlest dog will have the biggest attitude, and it's the biggest true. dog will be scared. So scared, yeah. <laughs> it's so true. Another thing that comes to mind for me is just ego, right? I think it is totally in our human nature, you know, which is sad, but I'm sure it also serves some other purposes as well to to really just like want to find those differences, um, to compare ourselves with other people. I think we, like just humans do that. We do that. We want to be the strongest, the fittest, the best, the fastest, the most good looking, the you know greatest at their job. Like that's just who we want to be. Like mm-hmm. everyone does, right? Um, and and I think we do those things, and we try to we protect our ego and fuel our ego um, by finding those differences. And and I think too like. Right now, um, you know, you see a lot of people on Twitter or on the internet, um, you know, getting into arguments or fights or people will do this in person too. And I think it's, it's a bump to the ego when people, you know, think they made a good point and are defending their tribe and, and are, um, you know, really, really just, you know, trying to make a point for themselves, um, and the group that they affiliate with. Like, so you might be saying that the pursuit of success being ambitious is being division driven. Um, and it's a, it's a fine point to make because I have talked about this with many of my students in that, mm-hmm. and I've asked them, like, think about why you're getting your bachelor's degree, master's degree, mm-hmm. your doctoral degree. What is one of the reasons why you're getting this degree? And one of the reasons generally tends to be that other people don't have this degree, mm. right? And the pursuit of success, ambition, and you know whatever you want to call it, is by definition a an embracing of division. Because what you're trying to do mm-hmm. is divide yourself, mm-hmm. and you know put a place a large gap between yourself and someone mm-hmm. who, if you have a doctorate degree, then you, yeah. you know, have a master's degree. So. The, the idea of division isn't all bad because it makes us strive for more. Without mm-hmm. division, without wanting to be better than our fellow man, we wouldn't have had 
the innovation that we've had. Yeah, that's a know? really good point too. Aside from the financial gain, the innovation gain, um, just you know, the strides we've made in health too, um, and like our medical system as well. Like there, there is a lot to be said for um, how division can be beneficial in in certain circumstances. And like we've said with so many things, it depends on the situation, and and it's not always black and white. And basically everything we talk about on this podcast is is definitely not black and white and so I think it's a really great thing to just kind of consider and think about and and to just be open to yeah absolutely I just think you know with unity we we have a tendency to assign feeling to an emotion to Mm. words when we think of unity we think of good when we think of division we think of bad Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of my old, uh, my AP psychology teacher back in junior high school told me, uh, you know, listen to the language that's being used, not just the content. Mm -hmm. Um, So the idea that he mentioned was that, you know, people might call you dependable or predictable. Now, dependable has a very positive connotation to it. Oh, he's, I can count on him. He's reliable. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, yeah. um, you know, he'll be there for you when you need him. Versus predictable, which is, ah, he lacks spontaneity. Maity, yeah, it's you know. more negative. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But they're both the same thing. If yep. you're dependable, you're predictable. predictable if you're predictable, yeah. you're dependable. It's yep. the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's how you're being talked about. So from that standpoint, when you think of division and unity, you don't want to necessarily think of one as good and the other as bad. Listen, if there was something that was clearly good and something that was clearly bad, it would not even be worth talking about in this podcast. We mm-hmm. would not be wasting our time on that. Mm-hmm. We intentionally pick subjects. The gray. That are, right, mm-hmm. the gray area and, mm-hmm. the, and you know, the, the middle ground. Mm-hmm. So you know, from that standpoint, there's just so much to talk about in regards to what, who's, who gains from division. We've talked about mm-hmm. that. Who loses from division? We started with that. Mm-hmm. Um, who who loses with unity? Which mm-hmm. you know, as we talked about management and things like that, and who gains from unity? Which would be you know those who can come together in that sense. Mm-hmm. But you know, beyond just the definitions of division and unity uh, alone, we see this in practice, and we see how it. You know, certain ideological factors, maybe it's religion, maybe it's, you know, racial preferences, whatever it might be. We see that families get divided, too, um, based on, you know, just things that might seem trivial to the outsider looking in. But for people who are inside, who are part of that particular family unit they might experience it completely differently where the outsider is saying, well, this doesn't seem like a big deal. Why would they treat you like this over something so trivial? You know, it's trivial to the outsider, but to the insider person who's actually a part of the family, it can be something that is emotionally taxing and, um, yeah, it can be something that's very devastating. Yeah. I think, you know, we've seen this a lot lately and um, also in the past, but, you know, friends and family people, you know, deleting each other off Facebook. And um, yeah, I think we've we've seen this a lot, right? People, um, you know, really there's been this division. I think we've seen it amongst friends. We've seen it amongst family members. 
um, you know, amongst coworkers, all these different things. And I'm sure we all know somebody who's somebody has lost someone because of, you know, ideology. And on one hand, you know, we have this part where, you know, okay, maybe these people were a part of two different groups, right? They identified with two different groups. And so they can, they can no longer um, identify with that other person because they identified with a, a different, mm. you know, tribe, group, whatever. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, if, if I'm empowering the opposition on this one, you know, you could say, yeah, maybe, maybe that's for the better, right? Maybe their tribes, groups, ideologies are so different. But what I think, um, what I think is wrong with this kind of thinking, um, or what I would change about this kind of thinking, I guess, is that when you have communities, you have families, you have relationships, right? Um, I think at some point you have to choose what's more important to us. Is it these ideas, ideology? Um, is it our affiliations um, with religion, politics, um, race? Are those more important to divide or, or are the relationships and compassion and empathy um, and connection we have to those we love, is that more important, right? We kind of have to make this um, decision. Right, are the unifying factors carrying more weight than the dividing mm -hmm. factors yeah you know and i think like age plays into it as well as far as like being you know those who are a little bit more experienced may find themselves at a little bit more of a disadvantage in changing the way that they see the world and changing their minds and mm -hmm. things like that so i i guess my question to you is how do we negotiate here because i'm sure mm -hmm. we have family members that we want to be close to that um, that uh, that don't necessarily understand the well. I don't want to say understand because that puts us at a at an advantage, as if to say that we are the teachers and they are the students. But let's say that we we have people in our families who don't agree with our viewpoints, mm -hmm. but we love them anyway, mm -hmm. and we want them, you know, in our lives, and we have an uh, have an idea that they want us in their lives too. The question is, how do we negotiate the unity and division, those factors, mm -hmm. to, you know, go back to being a family or, or friends or whatever it might be? Yeah, I think that's one of the most difficult questions of all. Um, I think when we understand that a lot of what creates this division is emotion, right? Strong emotion. And that emotion a lot of times is connected to something we are very passionate about, something we love, someone we love, um, an organization we love, or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and I think the only word I can really think of is just understanding. That it is okay to disagree. That is what makes humanity, you know, beautiful. And um, and that it's okay to have different viewpoints. And it's sad we even have to say that, that it's okay to think differently than somebody else. Mm. And that just because someone thinks maybe something different than I do, that they're wrong or evil or this or that. Life is not that way. Like, yeah. we, we live... And only, we only have one life, right? And, and I think relationships, love, family, friends, those things are so much more important at the end of the day um, than really feeding into the, dis the disharmony and division. 
and that I think all of us, you know, uh, should really, you know, take a look, look at these things and, and be able to, you know, think a little bit more about the power of unity in some of these circumstances. I mean, you'd like to think that the unifying factors in a family or friends unit are stronger than the dividing factors, but sometimes the dividing factors are just so mainstream, you know, Mm -hmm. that you feel like there's no way that you can maintain your own identity and continue to be amicable family members with Mm -hmm. someone of a different mindset. And I think there's learning to be done on both sides of any particular Mm -hmm. kind of uh, argument in that, you know, it's not about agreement. Um, If we all agreed with one another, there would be no identity, as we've already talked about. Mm -hmm. If we all agree with one another, there is no No me or you. We're just a machine working in unison. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, at one point, you know, there's a gray area, right? Where if everything unites us, then there is no identity. But if everything divides us, then there is no species. So what is the middle ground there where we understand that there are differences Mm -hmm. and there are, let's say, irreconcilable differences uh, from an ideological standpoint, let's say, but there are still unifying factors like, you know, being related to one another, wanting to be there for one another. Um, And, you know, both parties might be of the mindset that, well, I'm not going to be the first to apologize. Well, I'm not going to be mm-hmm. the one to reach out because then it would op- it would appear as though... Weakness. Right, exactly. Yeah. And not necessarily for the person, but for the ideology and the tribe mm-hmm. that they've subscribed that, yeah. to. Mm-hmm. You know, so it may be that someone has to just continue reaching out uh, to, you know, another person and just continue to reinforce the idea that you know, I understand that you think differently from the way that I do. Mm-hmm. I understand that, you know, you don't necessarily like the decisions that I've made. I am never never going to apologize for those mm-hmm. decisions. Yeah. Because in my mind, those decisions were the right decisions. Yeah, Nevertheless, I still want to be a part of your life and I want mm-hmm. you to be a part of mine and the door is always open. And yeah. Even if you don't respond, I'm just going to maybe text you every week, every month. Maybe not every week. Month, right? <laughs> I'm just going to harass you. <laughs> right, yeah. Depending on how close you are to this family member, maybe you do do it on a weekly basis. But, you know, it's just it, it, at the end of the day, like, we're all going to die. I don't know if people know that, right? What? This might be, oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. <laughs> so we might have just been some groundbreaking news <laughs> on our podcast. But once we die, are we going to really be concerned about who was left or who was right, who was this or who was that? Thank you. Or, yes. at, or are we going to be concerned about, like, just the moments that we've shared, yeah. you know? Like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, some of these moments are corny to talk about because they mean nothing with words. Like, yeah. I remember just playing catch with, you know, some of my, you know, old friends. But I've played catch with so many people. What makes it so special? That moment so much yeah, more special. Exactly. Yeah. You can't describe it. It's just mm-hmm. yeah, we were playing catch. It's yeah. no big deal. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like you know, you know, you and I boxed a couple of. Mm-hmm. Uh, did, well, you and I didn't. We we were mm-hmm. training with boxing. Yeah. And I asked you. <laughs> I was yeah. trying to box Nafis. Oh, you do. You're doing a really good job. And I I think I asked you to smell the gloves. I did. Right. And I then I was like, smell. yeah, it's gonna smell like. 
you know, stepping into the ring and blah, blah. And I'm, then I'm realizing, like, you don't have experience, so it's not going to smell that way to you. It's just yeah. going to smell like whatever. It's, it's going to smell like plastic. Yeah, exactly, which it did. I was like, so, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. I, I appreciate you for playing along. But, uh, but you know, that's it, – it's just – it's the smell of the gloves mm-hmm. and just like stepping on the field and just like some of the things, some of the most meaningful things are the ones that you cannot mm-hmm. give meaning to, you know, yes. and, and yeah. they just have inherent meaning. And I think the relationship between a parent and a child, for example, is definitely one of those kinds of relationships where you just, you know, no matter who the parent is and no matter who the child is, that relationship will always be something that is to be cherished. And I think it's the responsibility of both the parent and the child to make, you know, do everything they can to reconcile and make that relationship work out the best way that it can. Mm. Yeah. And I think whether this is parents and children or, you know, friends that you've been close to um, in your past, I think it's, it's always a good idea to just have an open heart, have a heart full of love, you know, I think, you know, we can all get so sucked into this division and um, all of that at the end of the day. But yeah, like you were saying, like really at the end of our lives, what are we going to be thinking about, right? Mm -hmm. Am I going to be thinking about all my degrees and how rich I got at social work? Probably not. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I won't be. I won't. I'll be thinking about my family and my friends and the memories and... And that's not just something I think I'm going to think. We see that with a lot of people right before, you know, they're going to pass. That's always a common theme um, amongst people who are older is those are the things they really cherish. Yeah. And And let's go ahead and empower the opposition because let's just say (laughs) that ideological differences are indeed worth losing family members over. Yeah. Maybe maybe you found yourself something, you know, a, a... I guess, yeah, an ideology or a mentality or a way of life that you're so committed to that you're willing to lose a loved one like a child or Mm -hmm. a parent because you're so committed to that particular mindset. And if that is indeed the case, then I think, you know, more power to you if that's what what you've found. If that's what makes you happy. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if at the end of the day, it's about doing what meshes best with who you want to be are you living up to your own standards Mm -hmm. or are you living up to the standards that others have set for For you you. Mm -hmm. and you always you know in my opinion at least you want to live up to your own standards because you're Mm -hmm. the one who has to wake up and look at yourself every day nobody else does Mm -hmm. so maybe you're of the mindset that yeah i'm willing to lose the love of my child or the love of my parent over the ideological differences because I don't agree with the decisions that that child made, maybe that's the case. And if that's the case, then, you know, that, that's that's perfectly fine. No one's going to say that, it, that it's not. And I just think it's important to understand that there are opposing viewpoints to every Everything, viewpoint, right? Yeah. So if you're of the mindset that we should have unity, we're family, we're friends, you should also understand that there is an opposing viewpoint that says we don't need to be talking mm. to each other just because we're related to each other. Yeah. We don't need to continue to be friends just because we used to be friends. Yeah. You and I have passed that point and now we are no longer and sometimes, what we used to be. Yeah, and sometimes maybe it's better better for um, people to, to continue that way. Um, however, again, too, I would argue for some, some people, if, if, if something was so powerful to divide friendships 
um, you know, relationships, whatever it may be. Um, I would argue that if, if people do come back together, um, and really try to unify and I would, you know, think boundaries are, would be super important, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe there's certain things that shouldn't be talked about and that's okay. And And it's okay to not, you know, go into those things, um, and to just focus on, you know, the, the things that bring bring people together yeah Um, and it's also to not do any of the things that we're talking about too because it's yeah it's it's what works for the person right um and every circumstance is different i think some some situations like this can be fixed and others probably shouldn't or can't like it it entirely and it entirely depends yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so give it a shot if you want if not that's cool too Mm -hmm. essentially yeah (laughs) just in closing i think this whole podcast um or this episode at least i think we should just think about what who benefits from division who benefits from unity who um who does it not benefit um and and what's most important to us at the end of the day like if we really put life into perspective and what we really want from from our life. And and yeah, I think we can look at life a little bit differently, the way we treat other people, the way we interact with those we care about, how attached we are to ideas rather than humans um, and others around us. So yeah, I just challenge you to think critically about it and that there isn't necessarily always a right or wrong answer but that it's something important to ponder. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I'm Dr. Nafis Alam. And I'm Lexi, a licensed master social worker. This has been Empowering the Opposition. See you next time. (laughs) 